This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm Patrick Edwards. I'm David Merrill. Uh, we're excited to have you guys on tonight. We've got a special guest. We've got RJ here from Outer Limits Gear. And I actually heard about RJ and his product because a buddy of mine, Curtis Burdett up in Gillette, was like, hey, there's this guy. He's got this really cool product. And I want you to, you know, see if you can talk to him to see if it'd be something you could possibly bring on your podcast. And Dave and I both, like, we're big believers in Wyoming businesses, and this is a homegrown Wyoming business, so of course I was intrigued by that. But it's also a great piece of gear for the outdoor space. And so I reached out to RJ and said, hey man, would you be willing to come on the podcast? And he said yes, so I'm excited to have RJ on the podcast, man. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you. And so I just want to start off the podcast. We, we like to have our audience get to know you a little bit. So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? And we'll start from there. For sure. I'm originally from Wisconsin. I moved here to Wyoming when I was 19, almost 20 years old. I'll be 42 in December. I grew up in the outdoors, hunting, fishing. Uh, anyone who knows anything about Wisconsin, the fishing out there is amazing. So I uh, moved out here for work. I think I moved out here sometime in 2000 and uh, started out working on the rigs. I uh, got out on the rigs for about three years, got into the coal mining industry. I spent a decade doing that. Coal mines really started to tank out here a little bit, got scary. I seen a bunch of friends go down the road, layoffs. So I went to school for HVAC in that time that I was working out at the mines, got my GED because I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't finish school, so I got my GED first, went to school for HVAC, and then uh, I went and left a coal mine to go work at a coal mine as a contractor instead of an employee. Went and did <laughs> HVAC out there, did that for about three years, and um, I've been, uh, unfortunately, I went back out east. I tried to move back home for about eight months. I had my daughter out here, so it's kind of rough. I uh, couldn't do it. I uh, gave him my notice out there. I gave him a three-month notice. I ended up getting hurt. Uh, I hurt my C6 and C7 vertebrae. So I ended up having uh, surgery from running equipment and stuff. So I don't really do that so much anymore because it's really painful. So I got back into the construction side of things. I used to do that as a hobby when I was a kid, when I'd work with my dad and stuff. So I got into that, and I've pretty much been doing that ever since um, – I came up with this idea. So RJ, what was your favorite activity growing up as a kid? Hands down fishing. <laughs> I like him already. Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of fish yeah. did you like fishing for? I grew up bass fishing. We had ponds and stuff, creeks. Uh, so it was mostly like bass and trout. Uh, we were young kids. So we just jump on our bikes, grab our fishing poles, you know, in Wisconsin, it's not like Wyoming out here. You, 15 minutes any direction you're either in a creek lake or a pond so um 
I just grew up doing bass fishing, did that most of my life hunting. I love hunting too, but haven't been able to do so much of that out here in Wyoming for some reason, but probably cause I work all the time. I imagine, <laughs> but fishing hands down. Well, I got to ask you just a sidebar question to that. So what's better, a large mouth bass or a small mouth bass? Oh man. <laughs> I would say I'd have to say largemouth because I like the action on top of the water. See, I would say smallmouth for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> I like those smallmouth, man. They fight so hard. They definitely do. <laughs> you, you, you are right about that. So let's get into it. I mean, you made this product and I'm going to let you describe it to the audience, but what made you want to go and design like a new kind of pack lunchbox system for like outdoorsmen and people who work, you know, in blue collar jobs? Well, that's kind of funny story because I set out to make a bag that would work well for me at work. Uh, the main problem I was running into soggy sandwiches my yogurt would explode there were you know there were just certain things that i couldn't take to work with me and working you know 12 14 hour days you got to pack a pretty heavy duty lunch and uh on top of that being a coal miner you got to have things that entertain you so you know i had the problem when i realized everything i take would get destroyed so i wouldn't take it therefore i wouldn't have much with me so I tried different things. I tried toolboxes. I tried, man, I even tried to make one one time out of OSB, but that thing was heavy. It was awkward, <laughs> um, you know? So I, I literally, I would say every three months, I was trying to buy something else to satisfy or fix a problem that I was having with the things that were on the market. So then I learned that, there wasn't anything out there that was going to work perfectly for me. So, you know, I, I kind of let it go. I uh, got into HVAC. I was doing side work and uh, the waste was killing me. I was going through Ziploc bags because I'd make my sandwiches on the go. Every job I've ever had, I've had to take lunch to work with me. You know, even now I could probably go out to eat, but most of my life I've always packed a lunch. So I just, I still do it. So, you know, and I just, I couldn't find something that would keep me organized, keep everything safe, and most importantly, get that pesky ice pack that keeps things cool away from the items I didn't want destroyed. So I just messed around a little bit and I came up with an idea. And initially it was the idea to get the ice pack away from everything and organize it. But there's just so much more that came out of it as we got into market with it or when we actually started, you know, looking for our kind of market or our demographic. So specifically, how is this different than what was, what, what have you created that's different than what's on the market? Well, the main thing would definitely be the interior core. Uh, the interior core is basically a plastic container. It's compartmentalized. It's got two spaces. So just kind of imagine this, it's two spaces. It opens up. The two spaces are exactly the same dimensions. I did that on purpose. So it lays flat. And then the honeycomb design is what allows us to separate those spaces. And there, that's where the logo comes in. It makes it very, very unique. Mine is different because there is nothing on the market right now that gets you away from one concept. 
That concept is one space that you stick everything into. Rather, it's a backpack or it's a cooler or it's uh, anything else. I see people are starting to kind of get a, the idea of that a little bit, but they still don't have what I have because my the interior core and the pack work together. And what I mean by that is when you have the interior core inside the bag, the bag's waterproof, you zip it up, keeps everything protected, hence why we called it the vault, uh, keeps all your valuables protected keeps the ice pack away from everything so it stays cool because the bag is insulated. We have interchangeable pockets on the bag, which is way different from any other backpack cooler out there. And the bag turns into a seat because the vault is designed and built to hold at least 275 pounds of sitting weight. So you're saying when I'm out fishing on the bank, I can sit on this thing. You got it. And it'll, got keep, it. and it'll keep my worms alive. You got it. That's, <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, Patrick, because, uh, you know, that is the main thing that I use it for. I don't have a boat, so I shore fish a lot. And I absolutely love it because I used to bring a chair with me. I bring my lunch with me. You know, by that time, you're having to make two trips back to the vehicle. Uh, now I use the interior core. I'll pack the bottom full of the tackle I want to use for the day. The top, I can put a lunch in there. These ice packs are designed and sized to fit inside the vault perfectly. So you can either stack them or you can build walls with them. So not only did we get it away from the items, but now we're actually being able to use them the way we should be using them. It keeps the items we want cool and keeps the other items safe. Turns into a seat I could sit down on and fish and pull on a backpack. That's all I got. Yeah. So explain that just a little bit. Like, is that just like a compartment, like the ice pack, something that you fill up with water and you freeze in your freezer and then you just insert them in the bag? No. So we actually have, so an ice pack, like I'm talking like your plastic, they're square shaped ice packs. It's what most people use when they're using like their lunch boxes. They'll stick it in, put everything on top of it and it keeps everything cool. Ours are, they're like that but they're sized perfectly to fit inside the vault. So you freeze those, you put them in the freezer, they're cold. You can stick them inside there. And like you said, you put your worms in there. You can even get a container, put some minnows in there and you can keep minnows cool. You keep that all on the bottom of the vault. Then you close it and then on the top. So everything on the bottom's cool. Then everything on the top, it's the honeycomb design and we actually made that very unique so that honeycomb lifts up too so you can utilize that whole space or you can break it up into compartmentalized spaces that whatever you'd want to use it for so i'd stick my lunch up there uh i can even put tackle inside the bag because you know unlike our competitors we have that option to have different style pockets right now we have three but we we definitely plan to come up with different style pockets. So what I'm hearing you say is there's room at the end of your fishing trip to put your empty worm container in and pack it out. <laughs> you know it. You Good. know it. I, oh, I yeah. like this. What has been the most challenging part of starting this whole endeavor? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, just for you guys in uh, the audience, I've been working on this for close to five. We're coming up on six years now. So I would say 
probably the hardest thing because I literally got to the first prototype on my own, working, paying for everything. Um, finances has always been a hard thing. Um, so when I finally got into production on 1.0, um, it was definitely finances. So I had to find an investor to take me to that next level. So how about the most rewarding part? Because it's always fun to kind of balance the two, right? We know there's lots of challenges in starting a business, but for you so far, what's been the most rewarding moment or part of this process? Oh man, you guys are blasting me with all kinds of good questions. (laughs) You know, honestly, I'd have to say the first day I got that patent, it it was, you know, it was an accomplishment for me to be able to say, man, I got a patent, you know, and I would have to say the day I got that patent issued, that was probably the most rewarding, but I would have to say it's definitely tied with all the feedback that I've gotten from people that use my product because it just, it makes me feel so good to hear someone say, man, I had this problem. I had this problem. Now I don't have that problem. I'm like, yeah, man, that's why I invented it. That's awesome. I would say it's a tie between those two. Well, and I think this is a perfect time to talk about one of our sponsors, which is Bow Spider. So David, you can kind of piggyback on that, right? You've had the same kind of experience. Yeah. Bow Spider's, you know, a, a step or two in front of you, but definitely taking all the same stepping stones and you know, for the listeners that don't know what bow spider is, I mean, obviously I wear two hats and, you know, put my bow spider hat on the moment, but just go to bowspider.com, check it out. We have some really cool videos, some cool links. Um, there's a link from Radcast right there, but there's also uh, a how-to couple videos. It's just a universal storage system. And, you know, the start of, of bow spider was I couldn't get to my bow in time. I lost a trophy of a lifetime. So that takes me right into the next question because I know that Bow Spider went through 38 renditions, prototypes, different different versions. How many versions did you go through from that initial first one? Not including, you know, backpacks you kind of made or where you got the idea from, but when you finally said, all right, I'm going to make something to sell, how many different versions until you came up with what you have? Say at least 20, at least. <laughs> I bet that had some frustration factor too when you're like, well, crap, that didn't work the way I wanted to. So how did you how did you do your prototypes? I mean, what was the process? I took cardboard and styrofoam and I built and constructed it. You know, I put ice packs in it. I sized it to fit how I think I wanted it to. You know, if you see my first prototype to where we are now, you would probably laugh. And I know a lot of people were laughing, but you know, I, I just... I stuck with it. You know, it's kind of cool to look back at that too and and see where where I started to where I am now, you know, and it yes, it was it was very frustrating in the sense that I got one that I I was like, man, this is perfect. This is it. I'd look at it. I get excited about every one, let's be honest. But, you know, it would come to me and I would use it. And that was the true test. And when I started using it, I'd find a problem. You know, back to the drawing board to try to fix that problem. I wanted to literally have every single thing in there that I knew I needed in the coal mines. And that's how, and and that's where it's all started was to get me everything I wanted for the coal mine. And it just created a product that's so versatile. It, 
it's absolutely insane. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool that you talk about how they look night and day different. I remember David showing me some prototypes before he had the full bow spider. It changes a lot because you realize certain things and certain factors. And then you're like, oh crap, we didn't think of that. We got to redo it. But it's good because then you take the time and invest it and you go back and you make something that's great instead of having one shot where you're going to make something and it's going to have all these shortcomings because you didn't think of X, Y, and Z. But I think it's really neat that you took the time and you stuck with it because a lot of businesses don't make it this far because they get they get stuck on those first, I would say, five to ten designs. And then once it's failed that many times, they're just like, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Or like you said, finances run out. So, you know, it makes it really challenging. But I, I wanted to ask you about kind of help along the way resources that you had that helped you be successful in getting this far. Cause you talked about having to bring on an investor, which is, is key for a lot of people because financing is always an issue unless you're just like a billionaire to start with. And then you can become a millionaire cause you just spent all this money. But can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the resources that were made available to you that you maybe took advantage of to help you be successful? So like I say, I got as far as the first prototype, on 1.0 and then I landed an investor you know that's that's a funny story in itself and that just shows how much what I believe is everything happens for a reason absolutely true uh, because my investor actually ended up being my boss the one I work for now taking care of apartments and stuff for him and you know I, I asked family, I searched out angel investors. I, I'm going to stop for just one sec because I want to point something out to someone, anyone that wants to try to go for this. And I'm sure, you know, he can definitely agree with this is it is a spiritual battle because, and what I mean by that is your mind is tested to no end because you'll make progress and you'll think you're doing so good. And then all of a sudden you'll hit a wall and and you want to give up. You know, when I was looking for that investor, I tried family, I tried angel investors, I tried anything and everything I could think of. And I was at the point of like, well, you know, maybe this is as far as I'm going to get. But in my mind, I had already succeeded. So I couldn't stop. I was too far to stop. So, you know, I, I had that lag time there in between. And then I met Tom Kramer. Uh, Tom Kramer is a business owner here in Gillette. He, he owns quite a few businesses here. One of them was that apartment complex that I happened to go work for. I had no idea, by the way. And it was probably, I'd worked for him about three, six months, something like that. I knew he was a wealthy man just because he had a lot of businesses. He was a very hard worker. And this is the crazy part. And this is where I say everything happens for a reason. He worked at the same coal mine I used to work at. He knew exactly where I was going with my vision. And that's what fired him up enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it for you. And so I, I got on with him and then I met Curtis. Oh man, since Curtis is you know, I've had, I won a competition over in Sheridan with Impact 307, gave us some capital to work with, took some relief off of my investor. Um, we've had, I've, I've done all kinds of things with Curtis. 
Um, as far as with the community, we did Kickstarter. We just finished our Kickstarter off and we did get fully funded for that. And uh, now we're looking at another avenue that's going to help us grow even more. And that's Amazon Launchpad. So um, the biggest one was my investor, but Curtis is right up there because the community came in and they were like, we got to help him. You know, this is what this guy has got is something amazing. And it could, it could literally put Gillette on the map and everyone stepped up to help. As a matter of fact, some of my backers and stuff came from the ECED or the fuel membership, you know, committee and stuff like that. So wouldn't have made it without them. <laughs> yeah. And I want to mention this because I think a lot of our, so we have listeners in Canada, we have you know, listeners in Europe, different places. And so they probably don't know what Gillette Wyoming is, but if you think about Gillette Wyoming, it is like the coal hub of the West. Like there's a bunch of coal mines and over the last eight to 10 years, it's really taken a hit because, you know, like people are really hitting hard on coal and, you know, and it's sad because we have a ton of it and it makes electricity and it powers the nation. That's what a lot of people don't understand is that, the electricity from coal really does power these EV cars and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, jobs, when they go away, it's like for a community like that, when your entire economy is really kind of based around coal, that really hurts. And, you know, you're trying to have good schools, you're trying to have good roads, you're trying to have all these things that coal is paying for, and then coal goes away. That's a problem. And, you know, I've talked to Curtis about this before, you know, people give Gillette kind of a hard time because of being a cold town, but it's, it's a lot of really good folks there and they really do care about each other. They want people to succeed. And that's the vibe I got there when I was there with leadership. Wyoming is just how good of a community it really is and how supportive they are. And I just think it's so cool that you now have something that you've developed into a product and now people can, you know, go start buying it and, you utilize state resources, which are there to help businesses like Impact 307. Great program. Um, and it, it and it's kind of a competitive process, right? Like you're going up against other people with other ideas and you got to have a better idea than them to get the funding. And so I just wanted to make, just kind of let people in on that. Like it's, it's a big deal what he's talking about here. He's had to compete for these funds and he's coming from a community that really needs diversification in the economy. And so it's, it's exciting to see it, man. That's really cool. Thank you. You know, it's good that you do mention that because, uh, you know, when the coal mines struggle in Gillette, it's a ripple effect for every single one of us. When, when we struggle, when the coal mines struggle, everyone struggles. And, you know, that, that kind of leads me into why I want, you know, to bring jobs back here with my idea. I realized that I can spin off this patent, make all kinds of different products. And we could literally have to stop depending on those coal mine jobs so much. You know, we need something big like this in Gillette. And not only that, you go look up the population of Wyoming and it's literally nothing. So for a business, especially for a brand new product to even rise out of the ashes out here is it's huge. You're right about that. A hundred percent. So to back up just a little bit and touch on, you know, the funding and your, and your story about going everywhere, trying to get funding. I mean, Patrick's been involved with my business. He was involved with PK, right? Your, your story is, is unique but it's also very similar of 
every entrepreneur I've heard say, you know, there's this point where I thought I gave up, right? And I, I was in another competition and I lost, right? And to this day, I'm still a little, <laughs> a little bitter, right? You know, because I still think my product was better. And in fact, mine's actually got some commercial viability and is a business and employing people now. And the other product is, I don't know where. But anyways, the thing you touched on was, you know, you're looking for those angel investors, you're looking for that funding, you know, you had that kind of spiritual moment of, I think I'm done. This is, you know, and in my own mind, yeah, I've, this is this is a success because the prototype I now have works. I know it will work. But the difference that I've seen, the entrepreneurs that make it and the ones that don't, it doesn't really come down to the quality of the product, right? It really doesn't come down to the quality of their marketing or how much ad spend money they have. It comes down to the inventor, the entrepreneur's attitude. So you hit a roadblock. Okay, we're going to find a way around it, get back on our path and get moving forward. Yeah, that's huge. There were a lot of roadblocks. There still are. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if they ever stop. <laughs> I'll give you a piece of advice, RJ. At some point in time, there was going to be people that, you know, popped out from around the doors. Their confetti was going to go off. You know, balloons were going to get. And it was like, hey, high fives, you've made it. Dude, every day you got to get up. There's another problem. There's another dragon to slay. There's another mountain to climb. There's never a, you know, just think of all these indefinite plateaus. You get to a little plateau and then it's time to climb again. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, you talked about PK Lure, so I'm going to talk about their sponsorship piece here. There were those moments, you know, where Pat O'Grady and the crew is like, man, I don't know, this is tough. You know, and you're talking about 2008, right? Like everybody remembers 2008. That was a tough time. And, you know, he was really just getting it off the ground and I just come on board. It's, it's, it's a tough deal. It's a dog eat dog world out there. And, you know, they managed to figure it out and, and pick themselves up and now they're very successful, you know, and I believe yours will be too, if you do the same thing, but PK lures, I got to talk about them a little bit. I had a little bit of irony the other night. So I'm out at Boyson Reservoir and I'm fishing the PK Ridge Rattler, which is a rattle bait. And I'm looking out across the lake and a prairie rattlesnake is swimming across the lake right towards me. If you don't believe me, you can go to our socials and check it out. It was not cool. Um, he made landfall by my feet about 10 yards down the, down the bank and I you know, scooched over a little bit and then he tried to come hang out with me and I, I didn't allow that. I threw some rocks at him to get him to go away, but, um, we ended up catching walleye on that PK Ridge rattler. That blue Chrome is a killer on walleye in the summer. We're finding that out. Um, and then walking out, we almost stepped on a rattlesnake. So, I mean, you gotta love rattlesnakes, but anyway, the PK Ridge rattler, go get one today. You can go get them at pklure.com. You put PK Pro in at checkout and you get 15% off. But yeah, PK definitely went through some, you know, challenging times, but it's all about perseverance, man. That's that's business is figuring out how to keep rolling when it's difficult and there's barriers, just like David said. So I want you to really kind of, most of our audience is fishing and hunting related. So really focus on and tell us like if I'm a hunter or a fisherman, or maybe I'm a backpacker. Maybe I just like to take day trips in, you know, on a trail and do a picnic. What is it about your product? What are some features that are going to make me a lot happier that you haven't already mentioned? I would have to say, well, let's just start with fishing because that's my favorite. We we touched on some of that. Uh, the most beautiful thing about that is not having to carry so much stuff. 
you literally throw your pack on, grab your fishing pole. You have a seat to sit down on, which is very comfortable, by the way. I would say for hunting, hunting, it would be great because a lot of people want to call the vault a lunchbox. And I want to try to get away from that because it's essentially a container that you can organize everything into and be able to carry with you and protect from the outer elements or anything that you might go through. You know, our quality is right up there with, you know, the big contenders out there, such as Yeti and, you know, our quality, our construction, our versatility, everything, you know, is right there. They're probably going to be one of our biggest competitors, but, you know, it's nice because if you're hunting, you can shove everything inside that, put it up on your bag, which frees your hands up, you know, and it, it cuts down on the clutter. Uh, I, I like to use this one a lot. I use this at trade shows. Think of it this way. If you were going to open up a drawer and you look inside a drawer and it's a mess and you got, you're not going to fit near as much in that drawer as if you were to organize and put everything in its own little space. If you were to do that in any drawer, and I challenge anyone to do this, honestly, go and, and organize it and put it in its own place, you are going to fit so much stuff into that drawer, it's unheard of. And it's the exact same way with this pack. And that's why we had to reinforce the straps because you can fit so much stuff inside these things that they actually start to get pretty heavy, which is why we threw the shoulder strap on there also. So you can, if it does start to get heavy, you don't want to wear it as a backpack. You can throw it up on your shoulder and you're still comfortable. Well, you kind of talked on durability, some of the, the, you know, finer points and details. When is uh, the pack going to be available? Ah, that's a great question. So we finished our Kickstarter and uh, I, they are supposed to be on the water here by the end of the week. We are due to receive them the end of August. Our fulfillment center's up ready to go we've got a thousand of a five thousand batch coming so we're figuring right around september these things should be sale for sale and we'll be rolling so just to give people an idea you know what what are you looking at for a retail value you know what is someone gonna have to pay to get one of these right so that's a great question uh that's another thing i i love yeti i really do they're a great company um, my problem was, is I couldn't quite afford it. It was just a little bit above my range. So unfortunately, I, I never did get one unless I get a gift from the coal miner or something. So my goal was to keep that cost down as much as possible. Our pack right now, we're at $200. So if you buy the whole set together and buy a set, I mean, we pack in four ice packs. You have the pack itself. You have the interior core, which is the vault. And then we have three styles of pocket. So we throw a pocket on there too. So you get the pocket and everything I just mentioned for $300 retail value. And so are you going to do that directly from your website or is that going to, are you going to also have some retailers that you're working with? Yeah, we actually got some retailers we'll work with. Uh, we'll have that across our e-commerce website. That is probably the number we're set on right now. And that honestly was the lowest that I could go because 
I wanted to make this affordable. And here's another thing that's really nice about ours. It's a set. You can buy it as a set for $300. But if you don't have $300, you can just go spend $75 and get the interior core. Later on, go down and buy the pack, buy the pockets. You know, we'll sell all this separate or we'll sell it as the pack itself. Are there going to be any color options? Uh, yes, we actually got three of them right now. We've got red, blue, and then we've got black on black. And that's that goes for the packs and the vaults. So we've that's six cues right there alone. Awesome. And so what would you say is your favorite feature of what you've designed? Like out of all the things that you've talked about, what's your favorite? Man, if I had to choose, I'd probably say the interior core, the vault, only because it cures the problem that I had right off the get-go. And it it sets us apart from anyone else on the market. Well, definitely keep the... Uh operating costs low, the overhead low, and, you know, get ready to drink from a fire hose. Cause it's a, uh, you, you don't know what you don't know. And, and what you don't know is what will kill you. You are right there. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I I'm, I'm preparing for it. Cause like I say, uh, it's just, it seems to have that kind of trend. Like you said, you'll do good. You'll hit a roadblock. You'll do good. Hit a roadblock. So I'm expecting it and I'm hoping we've got a good team right now that I've put together and I, I think we're going to crush it. I think we're going to do really well. And when we get these out in the hands of the consumer, I, I think we're going to have a, a lot of people out there that are going to be bragging on us for sure. So talk about our last sponsor here is high mountain Seasonings. So I'm just envisioning in my head, like, you know, some of the things you could potentially do, you could pack in some high mountain seasonings, a little bit of gear, you know, maybe do a shore lunch, you know, cooking fish or something. Um, and high mountain seasonings has a lot of different options. They're manufactured and made right here in Riverton. So it's another Wyoming company, which is pretty cool, but you can get the Bayou bass seasoning, you know, the Western trout, like they have all kinds of different things for this time of year when you're doing, you know, your freshwater fish and, in the fall, you know, David's going to buy a huge bulk pack of uh, jerky seasoning and some of the other stuff that he likes to do every year. Um, but I'm envisioning that, you know, maybe this could be a part of that. But anyway, you can check out what High Mountain has. You can try their sample packs. Like they have like these different assortments of jerky kits and other things like that. You can go to highmountainjerky.com or jerky.com. Check them out. Give them a little bit of love for us. But I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite outdoor meal? Like if you were to catch any kind of fish and prepare it for a meal, you know, what, what is that fish going to be and how are you going to cook it? I love walleye on a campfire in tinfoil and butter and seasonings. That sounds really good. So you'll have to get some of that Bayou bass and try that. Go up the keyhole and do it. I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent. We do that with fish tacos. And let me tell you, man, crappie, walleye, perch, it's dang good. Well, I'm envisioning with this backpack, I can take some jerky and my peanut butter and jelly, put a few lures in my fly. And if I do catch a fish, I'll be able to put it in there, keep it cool and not have fish slime on my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There you go. Yeah. You so know, I, I was going to ask real quick, how, how easy would it be to pack out like brook trout or something like that? Like if you were to hike up to a mountain lake, like you see in the screen behind me here, like, you know, how hard would it be to keep those cold 
you know, and come back out. How long does the ice last? Well, we've gotten 20 hours on the pack. And though the vault's not made for ice, it's actually, you know, because it's a container. So it's not really necessarily made for ice, but we did do a test on it. We were room temperature. We got 11 hours. It would hold ice, which is crazy cool for us because we never really meant for that to insulate. That's what the bag was for. But uh, I had mentioned earlier that all these parts that are inside that vault can come out. So you have that whole container at, you know, your discretion. So you can literally, what you're talking about, what I would do is I would pull all the interior core out, the ice, the, you know, and keep the water cold. The pack's going to keep it cool because the pack's insulated. So, and you don't even have to take the vault out of the bag completely, just enough to unstrap the top lift up the lid and drop your fish down inside it. Well, I like the sound of that. That sounds awesome. So tell people, you know, your website and where they can kind of go on your socials to kind of get a preview of what you've got going on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube right now. We're not super active, active on YouTube just yet. Um, but you can find us at outerlimitsgear.com. Uh, I want to make sure everyone knows um, it is two T's. So it's O-U-T-T-E-R. Uh, a lot of people get that confused. And yes, we uh, actually did that on accident, but it was a blessing in disguise. But you go to OuterLimitsGear.com, you'll find us. Um, we're getting right. We just finished our Kickstarter. So we're kind of splash page right now until we actually get going here at the end of August. But you can still find us, read about our Kickstarter and uh, you can learn a lot about our product on that page. And uh, we're actually getting ready to get set up on TikTok too. So you'll be able to find us on TikTok, Outer Limits Gear. Well, I think it's a cool story, RJ. I'm, I'm excited for you. I can wish you, wish you all the best. And, you know, if, if you ever need some unsolicited advice, I think I'm pretty good at giving it, whether anybody listens or not. Uh, I, t- I do like to talk. Well, I tell you, you like to talk. I like to talk. That's probably going to, we're going to have to open up a lot of time when you and I actually get together because I like to talk too. So yeah, you, you two will have to have a little sit down and talk about businesses and product development and all the fun and share stories and, you know, give advice back and forth. It'd probably be a lot of fun. So but yeah, RJ, it's been a true pleasure to have you on the show. I'm, I'm really excited about what you're doing up in Gillette and what that'll do for your community, for you and your family, also for the great state of Wyoming as well. You know, we need people who innovate, come up with ideas and, you know, are willing to put themselves out there. You know, you're doing it, man. So you're a success. Now we just got to grow that success. So, you know, get yourself a vault, get yourself a pack and enjoy the outdoors with it. I think it's going to be great. So again, RJ, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me and yeah, David, I'd like to touch base with you after this and let's, uh, let's see what we can come up with when we put our minds together. That, that might be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks again. Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which really helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at ragcastoutdoors.com. While you're there, please help support the show by purchasing a Radcast Outdoors shirt or hat. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Radcast community on Facebook called Radcast Nation, and we'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thank you again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.